Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and we are back with another special guest. Uh, we, we expand the universe of the podcast yet again, and we are bringing in a buddy. Nathan has been a friend of Julie's. He's known Julie longer than I have. Uh, and the, the good thing about marriage, sometimes it's a bad thing, sometimes it's a good thing. In this case, definitely a good thing. You inherit family, you inherit friends. So I kind of inherit Nathan via Julie. Uh, and he's definitely a good addition. He's been crazy enough to listen a few times, send me some good suggestions. So Nathan, welcome into Paperback Readers. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, my podcast debut. Uh, I've, I've listened to y'all's podcast from whenever y'all started it. And I, I really enjoy listening to it, you know, every couple of weeks and gotten a lot of good ideas from y'all and solidified some decision to read a few books that I'd kind of had on my radar that y'all ended up talking about. So I appreciate it. Yay, that's awesome. And you have suggested a great book for us this week that we're excited to talk to you about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Going to dive in on uh, Dave Van Ronks, the mayor of McDougal Street. And we were talking about this even before we went on. So I know we got a lot to say. So I'm going to I'm going to blow through the preliminaries and get to that before we talk about the mayor of McDougal Street. We're going to talk about what we've kind of been reading individually. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what you got, Nathan, because Julie and I know don't have a lot. It's kind of been a busy time. We haven't got to hit a ton. <laughs> I've got exactly one book. The good news was it was a really good book, Twilight and Hazard by Alan Mayman. Um, this was sent by the librarian at Julie School who had gotten this <laughs> book in and said, this looks like something Joe might like. And uh, appreciate the, the heads up from John because he was spot on with this. Alan Mayman was the last Courier-Journal employee for their Hazard Bureau. The Courier-Journal used to have different bureaus around the state to cover various things. But of course, newspapers are going the way of the dinosaur. They trimmed the budgetary fat and his job was one of the ones to go. So he was there from 2000 to 2005. He did subsequently marry a girl from Harlan County. So he comes at this from kind of different perspective. His last job before going to Hazard was working uh, for the Courier Journal's Berlin, Germany office. So um, for a guy from Pennsylvania, Maybe uh, maybe Berlin seemed more in common for him than, than Hazard, but uh, he, he gets to the bottom of some of the stories he covered. Uh, the, the chapter, which I just was fascinated by and couldn't put down, and uh, if, if you're from Kentucky, you almost can't miss this story in some angle. There was a guy from Eastern Kentucky who was a fraudulent attorney named Eric C. Kahn, and he talks at great length about Eric C. Kahn, who uh, was ripping off Social Security disability, had this big multi-million dollar scheme, got caught at a pizza hut in Central America somewhere on the run from the law. I mean, it, you couldn't you couldn't make up that story or many of the others he tells. It's a pretty well, I knew, read, but it's a great book. Yeah. I knew you were going to like the book when you started talking about this guy because you also have talked about that guy at great length. So, <laughs> I mean, if, if you want like a snapshot of him, just Google the name. It's E-R-I-C-C. C-O-N-N. -N. And I, some of the commercials he did, you can watch a 30-second commercial and you'll get to the bottom of the guy pretty quick. He was nuts. And we all knew he was nuts. And he was crooked and he got caught for being crooked. But it's just one of many things. I mean, Alan, Alan has uh, a lot to say about the coal situation. Um, yeah, just, just there were a lot of big stories going on in, in Appalachia and you know, as a guy who came in as an outsider, his perspective is pretty, 
uh, straight shooting. And, you know, he ties it to his own real life experience through his wife's family. So Twilight in Hazard, I thought was excellent, would highly recommend it. Julie, what did you read over the Well, hang on. I want to say something about that, too. Okay. When John gave me that book, he said that you would like it because it's the opposite of the J.D. Vance book. What's the name of the J.D. Vance book? Yeah, uh, Hillbilly Elegy. Did you read any of that, Nathan? I did. I read it several years ago. Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it quite a bit, yeah. So did we. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I liked it. Uh, It reminded me of some people that I actually knew from real life that their family had kind of probably originally came from uh, Eastern Kentucky. So yeah, yeah we, familiar stuff. Yeah. We both really liked it. It's kind of, we felt like among Joe's friends and family, that was a very unpopular opinion, but we both thought it was a really good book. We saw some reality in it as well. Right, yeah. Joe. Yeah, and you know it's kind of gone out of fashion since because of J.D. Vance's rise as a politician. But um, you know, in many ways, this book was a good bookend to that because Maimon comes at it, you know, and he's like, "Look, I, I'm an outsider. I don't have any any skin in the game, particularly. But this is what I came into, and this is what I saw. So if if you want a second opinion, kind of, uh, they're both quick mm-hmm. reads that you you could a b the two and and. You know, what, what is it they say? A lot of times the truth somewhere in between two different perspectives. So that you, you could probably add them together and synthesize something pretty interesting out of that. Okay, so here's what I read. I read Pineapple Street by Jenny Jackson, which I didn't think I was going to like. It's contemporary fiction. I have it around here somewhere. Um, because it's about it's problems of rich people again, and that's just not my jam. I don't really like it. Um, but I'd heard enough people say that this was such a good book that I was, fi- I finally decided, all right, let's give it a shot. And it really turned out to be, it was gorgeously written. It reminded me a lot of um, that Jennifer Close book we read last year that we liked, Marrying the Ketchups. Mm. It was written a lot in the same kind of style as that. The writing was really similar. The characters were really similar. It centered around three sisters in one family all of whom um, were trying to figure out what's the right way to live their life in the middle of such wealth. Um, It took some surprising turns and I liked the characters a lot more than I thought I would. So yeah, that was a really good book. And then the second one that I read was a reread. I've talked about it on here before, so I'm not going to go into it at great depth, but it's called, this is a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. It's by Tabitha Carvin. And it is a book about fandom and just about really, really loving the things that you love. Um, I read it the first time and I thought it was really good. I read it the second time and I thought, oh, ouch, that kind of steps on my toes with some of these things. With, um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy to dismiss what other people love, as you well know, Joe, because I've dismissed Bob Dylan many, many times over the past 20 years. Um, but just letting people love what they love and also looking at yourself and accepting the kinds of things that you love without trying to apologize for it. And it's, it's, it's a great book. It really is. You talk about it, you make me think of the book, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but Amanda Petrusich did it about the old guys who collect 78 RPM records. Yeah, I think it was like our second podcast episode, maybe, that we talked about that book. Yeah, it's it just like the weird obsessions that everybody has. Everybody has their thing, whatever it is, and, and you know... <laughs> There, there's that element of like free amongst your fellow nerds. You can you can go a little farther than you would probably with with normal sane people in the light of day. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's always cool to talk about that stuff. Nathan, you have listened to us enough that you know I like I'm all about the fiction and then just kind of weird nonfiction. And you know what Joe likes? 
what kinds of things do you like to read and then what have you been reading? Um, I, I like to try to vary my stuff quite a bit. Uh, recently, I've been a little more fiction heavy than I have been in quite a while. Uh, I usually try to mix it up, throw in some memoir, biography type stuff. I like um, I like a lot of nonfiction, uh, a lot of stuff related to just kind of like uh, exercise, uh, lifestyle, uh, longevity, that type of thing. I don't mm-hmm. One of those things that I'm I'm into and I read a lot about. I haven't uh, worked on applying it quite as well as I need to yet. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean I I, I feel like I'm kind of all over the map with uh, my reading. But like I said, my, recently I've been a lot more fiction heavy. You read Demon Copper Copperhead recently, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did you like it? Too? It was so good. <laughs> yeah, that was that's uh, one of the favorite books I've probably read in the last couple of years at least yeah so good yeah phenomenal um so are, are you a, a hardcore want the paper book in my hand do you like to do the e-reader do you like the audio book that's always one of the things i'm curious about uh i i do a little mix of all of them actually i you know i've always preferred to have the physical paper copy in my hand but just circumstances the busyness of life um I actually probably end up doing most of my reading on my phone through the Kindle app. Uh, not my favorite way to read, but it's just handy because I have it there at work on break, you know, whatever. I pull it out, read for a few minutes, uh, just kind of wherever I'm at, sitting at kids' uh, games or whatever, waiting for something to start. So that's that's how I get a lot of my reading done at home when I have time to sit down with an actual book. Uh, TV on, kids running around, dogs barking, this and that. Like, I feel like I have trouble getting any reading done at home. So, okay. that's just kind of uh, and they've done that, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, really you know, works as well, but uh, yeah, I don't do as much of that as I used to either. <laughs> Understand that too. So, we're going to talk about the Van Rock book, but aside from that, anything else that you've been into lately that uh, that you would highly recommend or highly advise us to steer clear of what, what, what you've been reading lately, basically. Um, uh, probably the last book I finished was a book called rock, paper, scissors by Alice Feeney. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of one of these random ones that wasn't on my radar at all. i never heard of the author and a Facebook friend of mine posted about it, about how good it was. Uh, so I just went and grabbed it. Uh, online uh read the ebook i finished ended up finishing in three days it was like one of those that you just can't put down oh wow uh so it was it's about uh this married couple uh and the point of view switches back and forth between them through with each chapter and then later there's another character that's uh their point of view comes in and then occasionally there's thrown in uh, one chapter will be a letter that a wife uh, writes on their anniversary year that it's a private letter she writes it's written to the husband but she doesn't show it to him and uh, there's obviously some marital issues and things going on lots of secrets and so they're kind of on this going this trip for a weekend to try to 
work on their marriage or this and that. And so it's just kind of like this kind of digging into everything and, you know, secrets are revealed as you go and like lots of twists and turns. And it's just one of those things like one, as soon as you think you've got it figured out, there's another twist and it just, it just kind of blew my mind a couple of times there towards the end. So like, I really, <clears throat> excuse me, I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. It sounds like something I've got to read. It sounds like I would love it. Yeah, I definitely check it out. I've since added the rest of her books to my to be read pile for sure. But uh, uh, another book that I finished recently that I really enjoyed was called Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard so not, many people say that was good. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm not a huge Stephen King guy. I'm not into horror. But I have enjoyed a few of his uh, more just kind of a suspense or just kind of general fiction stuff he's done. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read 11, 22, 63. <laughs> love that one. Yeah. Yeah. We that's, have, that's we've a really reread. That's a, I stayed up until two o'clock in the morning to finish it because I couldn't put it down book. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic read. I highly recommend that. But yeah, the fairy tale, it was, it was great. It's just kind of a, you know, this boy kind of goes into this other land, kind of your stereotypical type of, you know, fantasy fairy tale stuff. And uh, there's, you know, lots of connections to, you know, the fairy tales and stories that we know and tell today. And just, it's just really interesting, like a lot of fun. But uh, it's, you know, it's Stephen King, so it's, six or 700 pages long. So not a quick read for me, but like, I, I really enjoyed it. No, he's, he's a much more diverse writer than I ever gave him credit for. And like you, I'm not, I'm not a horror guy, but some of his stuff, uh, one of them that, that I think comes up a few times for us, his book about writing is fascinating. I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of writing books. I'd rather write than read somebody telling me how to write, but <laughs> it's such a, just like no bull treatment, of, of how he writes and, and like how his life has intersected with his writing that it flies by. It's pretty fascinating. It's called on writing. I mean, that one. It's it's mostly about his life. Yeah. And it's just hilarious stories, but I'm going to put fairy tale down too, because I'd heard other people say it was good, but like, especially knowing that you're kind of the same way we are with Stephen King. I need to pick that up. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Well, a couple of good thoughts there. And, and then, the one that you brought to our attention that we're going to talk about today, The Mayor of McDougal Street, a memoir by Dave Van Ronk. And, you know, I kind of come sideways into the world of Dave Van Ronk, but talking with you, it sounds like you did too. Uh, your entry point apparently was one of the things that I wanted to ask about because it's there on the jacket of the copy that I have where it says uh, the life story that inspired the Coen Brothers movie inside Lewin Davis. So that was your entry point for going, Hey, I might want to check this guy out. Right. Right. Yeah. I've seen the movie a couple of times before. And recently I was just, uh, I was on a work trip actually. So I was alone in a hotel room with not much to do. So I was, uh, I saw that available on there. So I was rewatching it, really enjoyed it. So I got on you know, internet movie database looking at trivia about it, and I saw that it was in, loosely inspired by this book, and so I just kind of started 
I looked up some of his music and listened to, then I found the book and uh, I went from there. It was, I said, I'm not super knowledgeable about, you know, the folk scene in Greenwich Village. You know, it, it interests me, like uh, some of the music and stuff that I do listen to and enjoy is kind of rooted or inspired, you know, from that kind of genre and stuff, you know, and I'm familiar with some of the names and stuff, but I haven't listened to it a lot, but yeah, I just decided to check it out and glad I did. Yeah, it was so good. The only time that Joe and I have ever been in New York together, that was one of the things that you, Joe, said that you really wish we had more time to do, be able to like go start hitting all those places um, that we're talking about in this book, really. So yeah, a lot of them are gone, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got to go through that same vague area. I, I got my picture taken on the street where the, the cover of Bob Dylan's Freewheeling album is shot, which is right in the middle of all the rest of this stuff. But, you know, what what makes it remarkable? And Van Ronk, a, a very talented you know, singer, songwriter, musician, uh, you would generically, I guess, call him blues slash folk, but he himself would rebel against classification one of the things that really stood out in this book is that it's so much about a special time and place and it's one of those things i mean it's like paris after world war one I, I guess there are just certain times when the world shakes the right way and you get a clump of brilliant crazy people who wind up in the same place at the same time and they do something that you know as you say nathan musically the ripples are still going from from what went down and, and Van Ronk has kind of a cool perspective. I mean, Dylan is my guy, but Dylan kind of comes in and is the straw that breaks the camel's back and sets everything in motion changing. Van Ronk's a guy, I mean, the, again, the title is the mayor of McDougal Street. He he knows everybody, and it comes through here. But where he's masterful is how he just captures this crazy, brilliant time and place and all the stuff that's going down, Greenwich Village, late 50s, early 60s. Definitely. Yeah, Um yeah, I was just kind of blown away. Like, I, I, I would love to have the opportunity to just sit and listen to him sing and tell these stories. Um, but, yeah, and he's a great storyteller. The interesting thing I saw was, you know, in the afterward of the book, realized that he didn't actually get to write that much of the book himself. Uh, one of his former guitar students and friends, you know, wrote a lot of it. Uh, going off of, you know, stories he had recorded, you know, stories he had told during his concerts, and just things, you know, he had talked about with him. And, uh, I just found it, you know, fascinating, you know, like, you know, all this, you know, interaction with Bob Dylan. Uh, I thought it was funny, Dylan coming to him, asking if he could record his version of <laughs> House of the Rising Sun. He's like, Oh man, I'm I'm about to record it myself. <laughs> Rather you not. And Dylan's like, uh oh. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> well, so yeah. I'm I'm gonna complete the circle for you. And he mentions this in the book. He knew it. Uh Van Rock knew it from somebody else who played it, who had learned it from a field recording from Alan Lomax. And Alan Lomax recorded the song. The version everybody knows comes from a lady named Georgia Turner in Middlesboro, Kentucky where i lived is where for several lived. years of my life so yeah it, it, it all it all uh, circles around and comes back somewhere but yeah he, he's got a story for for everything 
I mean, Julia, as somebody who doesn't really do the folk bluesy music thing, do you get the time place thing? Is that a sell even for people who are not mm -hmm. particularly big fans or, or like me, sadly, have not seen the Coen Brothers movie, which I'm totally going to go see now? Now I'm going to correct you because I like the music. I don't want to listen to your live recordings of it. That's the difference. Ouch, <laughs> I'll ouch. listen as long as it's not. So anyway, um, but yeah, I thought his, the way they put together time and place and created just captured New York city at that time was really amazing. I also, um, as somebody who's read a lot of these books because you have recommended them to me or shown me the movies or all those kinds of things, I was expecting this to be really snarky. And I was really, I really appreciated the fact that it was so measured. It was fair to both sides. It wasn't really hero worshiping or really critical. Like he really, I thought that was a really kind of refreshing way to read a book about this kind of music. Yeah, I, I will totally second that. And you know, Nathan, I know you do some some music reading, too. And it seems like one of the things that does put me off is when somebody comes in with an axe to grind and it becomes, you know, a book about what an awful person so and so is or how, you know, Dylan would be the obvious suspect here, stole everything. And I mean, he, he tells the stories, but but he also was very magnanimous in saying yeah, did, did Dylan borrow some stuff? Of course, we all did. The difference was Dylan was the first guy who made some money, and then everybody started going, hey, wait a minute, that was my We've been doing that for years. But there, <laughs> there isn't a like good spirit in Van Rock that is missing in some of the, you know, you get the tendency to be the old man who's shouting at the cloud and saying, oh, you darn kids, get off of my lawn. And his stories are funny, and he just never, he never lets it go there. It's always a positive read, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate it. You know, he talked about, you know, he was kind of, you know, Dylan slept on his couch and he's kind of from along in the scene for a while. And, you know, I guess they were friends for quite a while. And, you know, it seems eventually they kind of had differences of opinion or whatever, just kind of went their separate ways, but he just kind of left it at that. He didn't like badmouth Dylan or anything mm -hmm. like that. It was just kind of, hey, you know, people grow apart. And, you know, they go different ways, and that's what we did. Yeah, but, it really felt like if you'd been there, you could have just walked into whatever bar they were in and, and sat down and talked to him, and it wouldn't have had to be a weird kind of thing. No, totally. And, and I love the Mayor of McDougal Street nickname. I, I have a, a friend who his nickname is the Mayor, and I think a lot of it is because he carries himself kind of like Van Ronk. It's one of those things where he doesn't have an axe to grind. He's He's fair and decent to everybody. You know, if, he, if he's mad about something, it's worth getting mad about. And you feel like Van Ronk would be the same kind of dude. Another thing I, I've noted here, this book had some of the best, um, like, footnotes in it ever. He will tell a story in a footnote, and I'm like, man, that was better than whatever the original story was. That should be the, the story. But, yeah, you, you really get the idea that dude was like a, a memory piggy bank, and you could just pick him up and shake him, and, and like, 80 great things would fall out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love to just sit and listen to him talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another thing, it, it took me a long time to actually get through this book because I kept having to stop reading and go look up music. <laughs> they had to talk about, you know, a certain uh, blues musician or whoever. And I'd have to stop and go listen to a couple of their songs or listen to a couple of different versions of, you know, these different people who talked about covering this same song and how they did it differently. So like I kept getting distracted and kind of going down this 
<laughs> rabbit trail with, with the music. But it's so worth it. And there's so many uh, such cool things that he pointed out that you can find so easily now. So oh, yeah. that is true. You know, and, and you made me think of possibly my favorite moment in the book, the moment where I was like, if this story alone was in the book, it would have justified it. He was a big fan uh, and, and says he learned a lot on guitar from the Reverend Gary Davis, who is an old blind blues singer. But he tells a great story to end that chapter where he talks about a lick that Gary Davis would play. And he, Gary Davis taught him a ton of licks, but again, he's blind. So the way he would teach you a lick is he'd sit there and play it and he'd play it slower and kind of take it apart. But he can't, you know, see your hands. He can't teach you technique. He can only do it and let you learn it. And, and there was a particular lick Gary Davis would play and he never could learn it. And years after Davis had died and was gone, he had a very vivid dream one night. And in the dream, Davis was teaching him the lick. And he woke up and get, grabbed a guitar. And of course, that was it. He had it. It was there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is such a great story. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that a lot. Uh, I, I, I thought I found funny with uh, Gary Davis was when he's talking about him uh, performing cocaine blues. And he said <laughs> he was a Reverend Gary Davis. He was this, you know, preacher and said he, he wouldn't sing these secular songs and so like he wouldn't sing cocaine blues. He just kind of talked the lyrics. He's like, <laughs> I don't know how well that's going to hold up, but <laughs> but uh, I, th I found it interesting though that you know so you know Van Ronk went on to perform that song and he just performed it the same way Gary Davis did. He just kind of talked the lyrics and I, I've listened to Van Ronk's versions of it and uh, that's you know he just talks it. And he said, uh, I guess that melody died with. Gary Davis. <laughs> that was a great story. <laughs> well, it was it was just that kind of book. Every every story in here, uh, you know. Yeah, it, I'm I'm with you. My my other reactions now that I've done it, I'm going to sit down with Spotify and and make some playlists and go through and listen to some things. I mean, I knew just enough to have some clue of who Dave Van Ronk was, but to be able to put some flesh on it, and yeah, very sad that that. You know, he passed away in between starting this and the completion of this book. He didn't get to see it and he didn't get to say all the kind things that people said about it because uh, I'm sure there were a billion. And he seems like a guy would have appreciated knowing that uh, his stories were, were that worth reading for a generation of people who are too young to have seen him around, really. Yeah. Yeah. I do highly recommend listening to uh, uh, the last chapter is a quote from his last concert he performed that they recorded for a live album called, uh, and the tin pan bended and the story ended. And, uh, that concert is, you know, just, you know, kind of thing I'd love to hear from him singing these songs and kind of telling stories in between. It's just a lot of fun. That yeah, was, that'd be uh, really cool. <laughs> well, thanks so much for bringing this to our attention. Thanks so much for, for, Listen and being a friend, you sent some other recommendations, always good. And, and I hope you continue to do so. And uh, thanks so yeah, much is, for, for doing this. Yeah. This has been really fun today. Thank you for talking to us. I appreciate it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. And for all the other people who want to reach out and give us some positive feedback, some good ideas. You you could you could be in the chair Nathan sitting in. Well, not so much literally. Nathan <laughs> might have something to say about that, but you could be on the podcast. Tell them how to reach us, Julie. 
You can find us by emailing us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at paperbackreaderspod. Yes. Okay. Right. But but you do it better than I do. If I do it, uh, there there are things, but I don't. But anyway. Do I mean, I know that two of those things are used. I'm not sure the Twitter account's actually used. It's there. I, I have looked at it now and again. I mean, yeah, if, if you really want to blow my mind, send me a bunch of very specific tweets that I'll see two years from now. But, you know, we'll, we'll why, why bother? Yeah. The, right, the email time, is probably the best, but regardless. For next time, we're going to read the book that you read this week, Twilight and Hazard. I'm going to read it too, and then we'll talk about it some more next time. Absolutely. Thanks again, Nathan. Appreciate him. Appreciate all of you. And wherever life takes you at the ball game, uh, in between getting on the clock, going off the clock, whenever you got a minute, for goodness sake, spend some portion of it reading. Thank you all and take care.